Pentecostal False Doctrine. Speaking in tongues today, true or false? The Pentecostal movement's doctrines, the utterances that we make are what happened at Pentecost, and they are proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Before we begin our study to truly discover the spiritual validity or the spiritual error of this doctrine, let me say this. On August 26, 1986, I experienced a radical transformation come to my life. I had grown up Catholic, and I believed in Christ, but it didn't stop me from feeling free to sin and enjoy the lust of the flesh. I always tried to be good, and do what was right, but never felt conviction of my ungodly lifestyle. I had many girlfriends and was drinking and dancing every night of the week, in the words of my theme song, I'm just a gigolo. Suddenly, I read a chick track that some chick gave me entitled, How to Be Born Again. I remember sitting by the ocean on Cape Cod reading it, when I received an epiphany of sorts. This 26-year-old stud, bodybuilder, football player, aerobics instructor began weeping at the realization of what Christ did for me on that cross at Calvary. Of course, I quickly wiped the tears away as she asked me how it was going because tough guys like me don't cry. Later that evening I went to church and gave my life to Christ. It was a Pentecostal church. Wow! What a transformation! I immediately went back to Boston and the North Shore to get all of my cloths at all these girls' apartments, telling them all that I fell in love with Jesus and won't be by anymore. They all thought I was nuts grabbing my body as I left. I was changed. What a miracle! I moved to Cape Cod and became involved with the church, and I thank God for bringing me to that church, to show me what Christianity looked like. This denomination had extremely high standards, and questioned your salvation if you didn't adhere to them. I didn't need those rules to show me how to live because I embraced Christ's teachings, and becoming Christ-like in every facet of my life became my goal in life, but, nevertheless, I'm glad I was birthed there. If I had received Christ in a lukewarm organization, I may not have been encouraged in my radical transformation. Praise God for those standards. Having said that, let's look into the validity of their most profound doctrines. Our goal is not to approve or disprove these teachings, but to investigate the biblical truth of them. As Christians, we are after truth, and if these doctrines are not based on the truth of God's Word, then they are just someone's opinion, and should be considered false doctrine. God's View of Spirit Indwelling The Holy Spirit, whom God hath given to them that obey, Acts 5:32. Peter and the disciples spoke these words to the disobedient Pharisees, who were convicted and would have killed them, were it not for the brilliant Gamaliel, who talked them out of it. This is spiritual truth concerning God's process of filling us with His Spirit and like always, God makes it easy to understand. God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. It's that simple. It's not a mystical event that the Church has been blind to for over 1,900 years, but a simple understanding, similar to expressing our love to God, if you love me, obey me. The great theologian Matthew Henry puts it this way, the giving of the Holy Spirit to obedient believers was not only to bring them to the fullness of faith, but to make them eminently useful therein, and a very strong proof of the truth of Christianity. God gave the Holy Spirit by His Son and in His name, Jan 14:26, and in answer to prayer, Jan 4:16. nay, it was Christ that sent Him from the Father, Jan 15:26, Jan 16-7, and this proves to the glory to which the Father has exalted the Son. Lastly, the giving of the Holy Spirit is to those that obey Christ, for both their assistance and their obedience, to help them to continue to obey, and as a present recompense for their obedience, a reward given for the effort made, and to make it plain evidence that it is the will of God that Christ should be obeyed. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, Rome 8,9. The Apostle Paul is trying to show the church in Rome that if they are obeying Christ, no one can condemn them. Many believers today use this teaching to justify their ungodly behavior, 
and instead of feeling conviction when they are brought into account, they say you are condemning me, truly a twisting of Scripture. The Apostle understood this mindset when he wrote, Should we sin that grace might abound? God forbid. Sin in our lives is something that breaks our heart, and we become contrite, like when Peter went out and wept bitterly. It's not something we justify. This Scripture is saying, If so be that, we are walking in the Spirit, then the Spirit of God dwells in us. It can also be read, If so be that, we are not walking in the Spirit, spirited is Christ, then the Spirit of God dwells not in you. Matthew Henry says it this way, The Spirit visits many, but He dwells, resides and rules in those that sanctify themselves. 1. They are spirited as Christ was, meek and lowly, humble and peaceable, patient and charitable. Our frame and disposition of soul must be conformed to Christ's pattern. 2. Are also activated and guided by the Spirit of God to be a sanctifier, to others, a teacher, to others, and a comforter, to others. They are led by the Spirit of God, having submitted themselves to His guidance in obeying and following it. A sanctified soul bears the image of God, as a child bears the image of the Father. All of this is contingent on Rome 8 13. If you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, flesh. If we deny the fleshly desires, and walk as Christ did, we are sons of God. If we don't, then we're not, and His Spirit does not dwell in us. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? God forbid, room 6 1. Matthew Henry, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, it is an abuse, and the Apostle startles at the thought of it. God forbid, be it far from us to think such a thought. It is to be rejected with the greatest abhorrence. Sanctification consists of two things, mortification and vivification, dying to sin and living to righteousness. Putting off the old man. Until we put off the old man, and put on Christ and live for Him, the thought of being filled with the Holy Spirit is an imaginary thought without sound biblical doctrine, and to think that you can close your eyes while people pray for you, say some utterance out of your mouth, and that it's proof you are filled is even more far-fetched. Biblical Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men out of every nation, every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in his own tongue, wherein we were born? Acts 2 4-8. When these disciples spoke in other tongues, they were speaking fluently in another language. These men that were hearing them were astounded and shocked that a bunch of Galilean fishermen were speaking in their mother language which they could never have known. That's why the Hebrews thought they were drunk, because they could not understand the language, except for the foreign visitors which were born there. This was a miracle of the mind. The Holy Spirit was doing it through them miraculously. So, for the Pentecostal movement to declare that the utterances that they randomly speak, shando robo etc., is in any way the same thing that happened at Pentecost, is to not understand Scripture, and in doing so, create false doctrine. The great theologian Matthew Henry will explain to us in his brilliant and insightful way, what really occurred on that day according to the true meaning of the original text. They began to speak with other tongues, besides their native language, though they had never learned any other. They spoke not matters of common conversation, but the Word of God, and the praises, as the Spirit gave them utterance, or gave them to speak. Apophathangastai apophathems, substantial and weighty sayings, worthy to be had in remembrance. They did not speak here and there a word of another language, or stammer out some broken sentences, but spoke it readily, properly and elegantly, as if it had been their mother language. They spoke not from any previous thought or meditation, but as the Spirit gave them utterance, He furnished them with the matter to convey, as well as the language to speak it in. This was a very great miracle, it was a miracle upon the mind. 
they had not only never learned these languages, but had never learned any foreign tongue, for aught that appears, they had never so much as heard these languages spoken, nor had any idea of them. Wow! The true explanations of the Bible never cease to amaze me. When we think about what truly happened at Pentecost, and what these guys are claiming experientially, we have to question its credibility. The Origins Around the turn of the century, a young preacher began to disdain the work of organized religion, and the poverty it had brought him to. He decided to leave the ministry in hopes of a more lucrative career. He suddenly had an epiphany of sorts and began preaching on spirit baptism and speaking in tongues to his small group of people. This man was Charles Parham. After almost two years of this preaching, one woman uttered something out of her mouth, which he immediately declared as speaking in tongues. They said that it sounded like Chinese but no one understood the language, so they assumed it was. Big assumption, right? He declared that it was spirit baptism and ten more of them started doing it two days later. The strange thing is that he immediately left his small group and began drawing crowds on the revival circuit which really helped his financial situation. As questionable and unbiblical as this so-called event of speaking in tongues was, his theology development was even more bizarre. Charles Parham refused to debate theological understanding with any of the Bible scholars of his day. He considered their teachings out of date. He did not look to the scriptures in devising this new movement that he created, but is said to have worked out the doctrinal ideas in private meditation. His strength of argument was that the Holy Spirit communicated with him directly, and he was to take all of these new ideas and beliefs by faith. So, when we examine the flimsy construction of this movement, and its opposition to Scripture, we are left to wonder, how could this be God? It is not what happened at Pentecost, it does not prove spirit baptism, it's not speaking in tongues, and it's not based on anything found in Scripture, but in the thought of one man's private interpretation of Scripture. Very skeptical to say the least. In 1906, we see William Seymour on Azusa Street. Mr. Seymour was a disciple of Charles Parham when he began at Azusa Street, and basically preached, my pastor said this is the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, so let's all start doing it. This is not the way to start a genuine move of God. It is not what it claims to be. Knowing this first, that no prophesy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation, 2 P. 120. All Scripture is of divine origin. No Scripture is of any private interpretation, or a man's own proper opinion, or explication of his own mind, but the revelation of the mind of God. This was the difference between prophets and false prophets. False prophets speak a vision of their own heart, not out of the mouth of the Lord. This important truth of the divine origin of the Scriptures is to be known and owned by all who will give heed, that the Scriptures are the Word of God, any departing of them or adding to them is false doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. The Pentecostal movement is not founded on sound doctrine, in all truth, it doesn't have a leg to stand on. God says that if they are not teaching sound doctrine, He didn't send them. They are corrupt teachers, turning away ears from the truth. They grew weary of the plain old gospel of Christ and have become greedy fables. This is when God gives them up to strong delusion. It's delusional to think that this movement is of God when it's not founded on sound doctrine. Let no man deceive you by any means, now we beseech you, brethren, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, neither by spirit, or by word, by apostasy, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion. That they shall believe a lie. 2 2,2,3 and 11. The Pentecostal movement is believing a lie. They have turned away from sound doctrine and have become an apostasy religion. They have been blinded to the truth by strong delusion. It's like a witch has put an evil spell upon them. 
O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth? Gal 3-1. The Apostle Paul was telling them that they were under a witch's trance or spell to the truth. They were believing false doctrine and came under a trance. They needed to wake up and snap out of it. It's a lie. Wake up to the truth. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, Jan 16:13. The Holy Spirit was sent to guide us into all truth, that's part of his job. He is called the Spirit of truth because that's what he is. Christ came to testify to the truth of God's Word, among other things, and the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of Christ's words. When we embrace teachings, which are not founded on sound doctrine, we deviate from the truth. When we do that, we are believing a lie, and subsequently, begin to live a lie based on those principles. So, in God's eyes, like any false doctrine, we begin speaking a lie. We lie to the Holy Spirit who is trying to turn us from that evil behavior. The very Spirit that we claim to be speaking for is grieved and offended by our words and actions. And he that keepeth his commands dwelleth in him, and he in him believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, for many false prophets are gone out into the world, 1 Jan 3 24 and 4-1. It is our responsibility to try the spirits to prove whether they be of God. The way we do that is through Scripture, if they line up with it or not. This is not a light thing. When we fail to do this, we continue to believe and walk in a lie, which is truly against the Holy Spirit. When we declare, thus, saith God this, and thus saith God that, we are lying in the name of the Holy Spirit. We should be saying, thus, saith Bill or Bob, because truly that is what's being said 99.99% of the time. But Peter said, Ananias, why hast Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Acts 5 3. This might seem like a strong example, but nevertheless, the consequences are the same, separation from the Holy Spirit and spiritual death. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, let us walk honestly, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on His power and His authority. Put on His calling. Let God move through us. Let God be God. Walk in truth. Like I said at the beginning, I truly thank God for starting my Christian life at the Pentecostal church I attended. I was a radical sinner, and if I wasn't encouraged to depart from sin, I may have given up on faith. Many churches today do not even preach on turning from sin, which is producing lukewarm believers at best, who do not make heaven their home. Sad but true. But having said that, this is false doctrine and God is against it. It's not going to be allowed to go on much longer, and this also goes for the hyper-faith movement which is basically the same spirit. They both think that everything they say and think is God. They hear from God directly and don't need the right interpretation of Scripture. It is just people making it up as they go which is what the founder of the Pentecostal movement did. It's not God, and it is division in the church. God desires unity in the church and it must be unity of faith. It's time to call all of this personally hearing from God's stuff what it is. It's time to get back to being led by the Word of God which is the true Spirit of God. God is about to revisit His people for better or worse, and judgment always begins in the house of God. It's time to get on the right side of that judgment for our own sakes. So, this is a message of love. Begin to arrange your movements to do away with these ungodly precepts and allow God to richly bless you. It's now or never. God bless. I'm praying for you. Biblical speaking in tongues, miraculously, speaking gospel truths fluently in a language that you've never known.